Hello! Welcome to Break the Mold Podcast, the podcast that's all about helping you to be your true authentic self. My name's Tim Roberts, I'm a coach and inspirational speaker, and I'm your host for this podcast. Now, the podcast is named after my first book, which is Break the Mold, Volume 1, How to Be Your Best Version of You. And that's exactly what every single one of these episodes is all about, helping you to be your best version of you. And this is the first one. So congratulations on getting in right at the start. I have an amazing guest lined up for you on episode one, who I'll introduce you to very shortly. As it's episode one, if you're listening to this, if you haven't done so already, do go back and listen to my short introduction episode, which helps you to understand a lot more about what the podcast is all about, where you can access the resources, where you can subscribe to get updates and giving you a much better idea in terms of what you should be thinking about whilst listening to these podcasts. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited about introducing this first episode. So our guest for this first episode is Andrew Stotter Brooks. Andrew is the Vice President of Learning Development for Etihad Aviation Group. And Andrew's just an absolute superstar. Um, I'd, I'd love to just introduce him as my mate Stotts because that's what he's become. And that's because he really aligns with everything that I stand for. Andrew is all about authenticity. He's all about being yourself, being comfortable, being confident, being your true authentic self. And I think what's great about Andrew's interview is that comes through based on his experiences where he has worked in cultures, in organisations with people from literally all around the globe. His current role season based over in Abu Dhabi and prior to that, he's got 30 years experience in senior HR leadership roles. He's worked in many, many different well-known brands in many different sectors such as retail, hospitality, leisure and now aviation. And for me, I, I feel that, that experience and Andrew's approach to to everything really, I, I feel really qualifies him as being the first ever guest on this podcast because he's passion in terms of people development, in helping people to overcome their real and also their imagined obstacles, ultimately lie in his passion for people being authentic, for people being themselves. I'm sure during his interview you'll laugh out loud at some of the stories that he shares and he'll definitely be able to relate of what he talks about. And I think one of the things that stands out for me in terms of Andrew is he is his executive coach, so he has his role with Etienne and as part of that He's an executive industry coach where he's worked with uh, organisations from around the world, such as universities and well-known brands such as Rolls-Royce. And that passion comes through. His passion in terms of helping people to feel comfortable as themselves. Now, in these little intros, what I like to do is just give you a bit of an insight or a few tips, really, in terms of what to listen out for. And we're doing this introduction on every episode so that we just get straight into the interview. So when I shut up in a minute and there'll be a little bit of uh music playing and then we'll get straight into the interview so when that happens what i want you to think about is really listen out for andrew's passion for being authentic and think about how that has come from how he's worked all over the world and you know how that demonstrates the importance of being your true authentic self but this literally aligns with all cultures from around the world and um, andrew shares some brilliant stories in particular i'd look i'd look out for the story that he shares about asking me who's coming for dinner tonight because that is something that everybody can relate to and really makes you think about the kind of perceptions that we might have of other people and the kind of perceptions we have of ourselves and how to break those down to just be ourselves. Um, as you're listening to Andrew, do think about yourself. So raise your self-awareness and think about what are the masks 
that you and others are at risk of wearing in your roles? You know, what are the molds that you're at risk of fitting into? Um, Andrew tells a great story about comparison and in particular how he fell foul of that comparison and how he overcame it. So one of the things just I guess I've rattling around in your mind as you listen to Andrew is just thinking about who you might be comparing yourself to. What's the kind of comparisons you're setting that you don't need to and what you're falling foul of in terms of that? Uh, really take on board Andrew's honesty. Uh, in particular, the way he talks about how he's learned about himself and how that's helped him to just be himself and to challenge himself to really think about what you can still learn about yourself as well. That's something that really stands out in terms of what Andrew shares is his real honesty about what he's learned about himself over the years, how his experience has taught him that, and then really tune that into yourself. You know, one of the key things for this podcast is to help you to raise your self-awareness. And Andrew talking about what he's learned about himself will help you to do that. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to do this in every episode. I, th- I think particularly with this one, because of Andrew's tales that he tells, because of the advice that he shares, and because it's the first one. So create this as a habit right now. If you're going to stick to this, and this podcast is going to help you. So throughout listening to Andrew, keep asking yourself, what are you going to do as a result of listening to this podcast? Because Andrew shares some priceless advice and some experiences that we can all learn from. And I think most importantly, and again, this is really Andrew's authenticity sharing group. He talks about it in relatable examples. He talks about real world examples, not, not dusting theories off the shelf. He talks about things that have actually happened to him, situations that he spells. So really think about yourself as you're listening to Andrew about what you're going to do as a result of listening to this podcast. So one final thing for me to share, and I hope this is the only time I have to say this, and typical that this happened on the first ever episode. Uh, I'll say it as it is, as Andrew and I started this interview, the technology fucked up, probably because we were trying to work internationally because I'm in the UK and Andrew's out in Abu Dhabi. So all that means is you haven't missed out on anything, is that the interview starts after Andrew and I have done a little bit about how are you and we've talked about the weather and we've talked about him taking the piss because uh, this was recorded in December in Abu Dhabi when it was 30 degrees and I was actually freezing my backside off on minus eight in the UK. So that's all you've missed out on, two British blokes talking about the weather, having a little bit of a laugh and the episode is going to start as we get straight into the interview. So enjoy listening to Andrew. Remember, throughout this episode, it always starts with you, which will help you to think about what you're going to do as a result of listening to it. And after Andrew's interview, I'll pop back in to do the outro where I'll ask you some coaching questions for you to think about based on Andrew's interview. Right. Time for me to shut up. Enjoy this episode of Break the Mould. So, Andrew, brilliant start to the interview. Let me ask you the first question that we ask every guest on the Break Them All podcast. Uh, what does being your true, authentic self mean to you? Just, I, th- I think for me, being authentic is just being absolutely genuine. It's the person that I'm most comfortable with. Um, it's who I want to be. Um, I, I think it's a, a quite a high-risk strategy most of the time. But I, 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 you know, do you know what, Tim? I don't care. Um, I just feel that I want to be myself. I work with a lot of people who, who kind of like, you know, put their penguin suit on. Um, I'm a huge fan of. There's a great book called the uh, the Peacock in the Land of the Penguin, and I, you know, 
people hire me into the organization because I am, I wouldn't say I am Peacock necessarily, but I'm, I'm quite unique, Tim. And I, I, I think it makes me, um, it gives me, a, it gives me an edge um, about who I am. And it's, it's easier for me to manage myself as well. Cause I'm not trying to, I'm just being genuine. I'm authentic. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of quite straight talking. So I think it makes it, uh, makes me a better, a better, I'm hesitant to use the word leader, but definitely a, a better yeah. human to work. Lovely stuff. I think that's such a beautiful way of summing it up because we we get lost in terms of the human, don't we? And I think you're right. Actually, when we are our true authentic selves, is it makes us a better human in terms of when we go to work. Let me just ask you about that then, Andrew, in terms of, you know, you said you're so, it's so important. And I love the way you said about that uniqueness of yours because you're a bit of an edge. Where's that come from for you? Is this something you've always been clear on or is it more about learning about your values and beliefs over time? Is it, has there been an experience where you weren't being yourself and that triggered that authenticity? Where can you see that that passion, that importance comes to, to you from I suppose being authentic? I, 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 I've got a lot of weaknesses. I would, I, and I know I could spend, we could spend hours and hours and hours um, discussing what my weaknesses are. And I suppose in my in my life, genuinely, I've known that if I play to my, my strengths and I play to what I'm particularly good at, and I, I then sort of surround myself by with people who are perhaps um, who can, you know, maybe a little bit of an over, overworn expression, but who complete me um, in my, in my yeah. role. It makes a big difference. So it's made me more successful being that. So I know where my, I, I'm very clear about what I'm, what I do well. Um, I'm quite unique, and I think it just comes from the way, perhaps the way I was brought up. You know, I, I suppose it's just I, I really want to focus on. I've always wanted to focus on being human. Um, I always wanted to try and focus on, you know, engaging with people. Again, well-worn phrase: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I was very, you know, I, again, and please, you can cut this out. But I was, I was kind of voted the, you know, the top HR professional in the UAE recently. And you know, for me, that's interesting. And not that 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 that, that rubbish accolade, you know, can put that in the bin as far as I'm concerned. Genuinely, but what's really interesting about that is the amount of people that it sort of flushed out from my past. I think that was quite fascinating. And so I was quite genuinely who, you know, one particular individual um, actually was working with me 41 years ago, Tim. So you're kind of looking at me going, how pot, well, you can't see me today. Uh, how possibly could this man be that old? Um, but, but genuinely, this individual kind of reached out to me from 41 years ago. And I had lots of people who did a similar thing. Um, varying periods in my life, you know, 30 years, 35 years, this particular person was 41 years. Wow. There was, was a woman and she said to me, um, oh my gosh, and she, she said, oh my God, stop, how amazing is that? And I said, wow, I can't even believe that you would even know, remember who I was. And she said to me, oh my gosh, um, do not underestimate um, the power that you have with people. And it's about how you make people feel. And I've had that conversation quite a few times recently as well, because I've obviously reflected on that conversation. Because, you know, seriously, 41 years, I mean, I've probably come into contact with, with at least tens of thousands of people. Um, and it's kind of scary, right? So, and I kind of, I've really carried that forward now. So every time I'm interacting with people, I still try to be that very authentic stops. And it's about yeah. how you feel, right? Because that, that is a, that's a, it's a winning, it's a winning formula. Um, whatever that is, that, that kind of stopsism is something I really want to kind of like develop and I've continued to develop it. So I'm getting I'm getting braver and braver um, in my old age, uh, Tim. Yeah. Stopsism. I think that's what something we should all take up. 
Now, I'll be honest with you, Andrew, that doesn't surprise me at all, mate. You know, I mean, as somebody who's worked with you over 40 years ago, remembers you because of the impact that you've had. And you're right, it is about how we make us it make others feel. And I think that that to me is why I put authenticity at everything that I do, because people can see when we're not being authentic and we know that, that triggers negative feelings. Just let me ask, I suppose, a bit of a wider question then, and, and this could be interesting considering the organisation that you're part of, and again, you know, that, that HR world. How much genuinely do you think people stop and question what's the impact I want to have with this person, how do I want to make them feel, and then put time and effort into making that happen? I, I would say probably most people just go through the motions. I would. I, yeah. I, I think most people go through the motions. They they don't appreciate the. I, I, I was actually we've got a new CEO, and I was chatting to him the other day, and I said, and, and I think this is a really important point. I think it was possibly a little bit lost on him. Um, maybe maybe I misread the conversation, but I said to him, we're going. We obviously when you have a new CEO, we have a lot of change coming into the business, right? There's, there's, we, we live in a perpetual state of change. And I, my, and he asked me what I thought. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I think, um, if you're asking me the question, I think that we are, we're feeling creatures first and then we're thinking creatures, yeah? And if you don't get the feeling right, and it doesn't matter, you know, if, if you've not got the feeling right, if someone doesn't feel the right thing about you, then actually you're, you really are struggling. We are not, we don't, you know, human beings don't think first. We, we feel first and then we basically think after that. So the more that we develop those skills, and it's just so, so very important. The more that we keep our the unique humanness about it, about us and who we are and what we try and do, it, it's really, really important. And it's back to what we're saying, it's Coveyism. So, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to, um, I'm not plagiarizing him, but it's really, you know, people don't, they don't, they genuinely do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, I always say to people, I'm the, I'm definitely the stupidest yeah. man. You know, and I think sometimes, and, I'm, and I mean that really genuinely, and I'm not trying to like, you know, make myself look look silly. But the reason I say it is, I really want to get other people's opinion because, in my view, they're a lot closer to it. I, I mostly, you know, if I'm banging heads with people in this organisation, or I'm banging heads with people, you know, in in other organisations, and I've been around the block a couple of times, and I've worked on most continents, and I've worked in you know dozens and dozens of different countries. I'm very very privileged in my career. But it's amazing how many people believe that they are the kind of the, the epicenter of knowledge um, and that they, they basically um, they're the, the expert. And I, you know, honestly, it's like just ask people, um, you know, what they think. You just yeah. they, they will they will surprise you. But you have to give them the, the confidence that they can actually be honest with you. You know, they can be they can share their real opinions and sometimes their opinions are maybe misguided there's always going to be three sides of the story right there's going to be you know there's andrew's side there's tim's side and there's actually what happened right there's the three there's the three sides so just just occasionally trying to get a different view on the world and kind of seeing the other person's view sometimes it can be really insightful tim and being being authentic and really feeling um you're right people in i know we can debate this all day but for me, you know, when you're being genuine, you're empathising with people, they they do kind of like start to connect with you. It's really, really there's a beautiful picture of my daughter um, with my with my niece. Um, it's quite a few years. My daughter's 15 in the picture, and I, it's hard. But they're but my niece at the time is about two years old, and my daughter's about 15. So it's quite a few years ago. Yeah, it's amazing the synergy they have, right? And I always say to people, we look at what what can you see? And they they look at George and they look at Sophia. And I've, I've shown that picture to, you know, 
many, many tens of thousands of people again um, use it as one of the workshops we run um, around sort of matching and mirroring. And always they say, you know, Sophia basically is completely immersed in Georgia. Yeah. And, and, I, and I say, yes, 100 percent. And where did Sophia learn to do that? Where did Sophia learn to get so immersed in Georgia? Because she's two years old. And I, I sort of joke, clearly Sophia spent like two or three years in workshops with me listening about the arts and how we, how we kind of create empathy and we, we, we kind of get to, you know, we connect with each other. And of course, people laugh. Um, about that, and I say, you know, that's a that's an inherent skill. We, we, she was born with that skill. You were born with that skill, Tim. I was born with that skill. I think what happens with human beings, we tend to then, we kind of like we we either forget the skill, um, or we think it's no longer required in our lives. But I think from a leadership perspective, that skill is absolutely imperative. Mm. That, that that ability to connect with people, because as I say, we're feeling first, then we're thinking, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that is so important. And you said before about people go through emotions, which it's such a shame, isn't it? You know, I, I was challenging a team about this last week, saying, you know, if you choose to turn up to work here with these other people, how on earth would you not want to get to know them? How on earth would you not want to think about the impact or how your presence makes them feel? And, you know, how on earth? What you why would you not want to talk to each other about expectations and how you're going to behave? And I think that going for the motions, like you say, our heart and mind want to do that, don't they? They want to keep us safe. They want to keep us away from risk. So we'll just go through the motions. And I think, like saying in in there as well, starts about people just actually getting immersed in each other. You know, the bit you said about when people are being authentic, people really respond to it. I've I definitely seen that from my experience from versus when I wasn't being authentic and the difficult conversations I had versus when I did be authentic, those conversations just become much more like they should be, i.e. two human beings. And there's a bit I want to ask you about. You know, I mean, look, I mean, the title of the podcast is Break the Mould. So that's something I talk a lot about is about how people fit the mould. So we come into the workplace and as a human, we learn from imitation. So a lot of people end up fitting the mould. You alluded to a bit before about people wearing masks. So we, we, we come into the workplace and we think, oh, I must behave like that because Tim does that. And Andrew is the boss, so I must behave like that. And the reality is what people want from you is to do exactly what you're talking about, is ultimately break the mould and be their authentic selves. But again, this could be really interesting for the audience, Stops because you've literally worked all over the world. So this element of fitting the mould, I think sometimes we think it's only us or it's only us Brits or it's only in British organisations. And it'd be really interesting to hear from you in terms of what are the moulds that you've seen others fitting into and why do you think that happens? I, I, do you know what the old, <laughs> I'm this great I'm, I'm this great believer in what I call convergence and it's just amazing because most people have they have experiences right and um, my mind is just spinning all over the place now so I've I've worked in like I said I've worked in you know as far flung places like Vanuatu and Tonga and Fiji yeah I've worked in Australia and I've worked in Russia I've worked in China obviously UK um, I spent a lot of time in Holland. Um, so I've been, and I've, you know, worked in the US. I've, anyways, I've been around, obviously, Middle East. So in the last 16 or so years working in the Middle East, right? So I've worked in, that's very, in Saudi Arabia, some very strange cultures, um, or very, very different cultures. But what is really, what ties us all together? We often, in, there's my, my kind of like uh, line of work, we talk a lot about kind of guest service or customer service or interacting with each other or negotiation oh, yeah. or coaching. And 
I always take people back and I say, I always, we, we run an activity and I say, well, Tim, you know, imagine I'm going to come to your, I'm going to come to your house for dinner tonight, right? And some of these people, they, they, and I'm not, it's just incredible. They would live in, I've worked in India, I worked in Bangalore and I was with someone earlier um, from Bangalore and we were kind of connecting around the Bangalore thing. And I was saying to her, if I came to your house for dinner, wherever that was, and sometimes the houses that they live in are very different to what we'd expect. So, you know, when you work in the Philippines, they these people, are, uh, many of the homes are sort of self-constructed um, and they're made out of corrugated iron, you know, Fiji, there's right. a lot of like, mud huts and thatched houses and that kind of stuff. And there's no, it's just dirt on the floor. And it's all a bit kind of like, it's a bit basic to, to a lot of people who I've worked with in the past, you know, definitely the US audience or the UK audience or the European audience. They're quite shocked with the idea that I would be speaking to people who really, I mean, Vanuatu, they were still eating people in 1924, right? So it's quite an wow. incredible, they're proud of that culture. They, the last person I used to, yeah, I used to chow down on my, on my enemies. So when you're talking to those guys about customer service and guest service, I always say to them, Imagine I was going to, I'm going to come to this. I will say to them, I'm going to come for dinner tonight. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what their home is, what they, whatever they consider to be home. I say, you know, let's just talk through that process. So, okay. So I'm going to come home. I'm going to come around to your house at like seven o'clock tonight for dinner. Right, Tim. So let's, 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 let's explore that for a second. So what's the first thing now you're going to do, Tim? What's the first thing you're going to do? So you, you know, that Andrew's dots coming for dinner at seven o'clock. Yeah. What's the first thing you're going to do? Well, incidentally, I better tell my wife and I better make sure the house is clean. <laughs> okay, okay, bing. Okay, so that's that's also what 100% of everyone else said. So I need to tell my partner, yeah? Okay, so what's the next thing you're going to do? What's, what's the next thing you're going to do? And then I've got to think about what we're going to eat. Yeah, bang, you've got 100% right. So exactly the same. So then what, what kind of questions might that generate, Tim? I'm probably going to ask you about either what food do you like? And obviously, is there anything we can't, you know, could you be vegetarian, vegan? Do you have any allergies? You know, what, what do you actually like? Maybe asking you what wine you might like to drink? Yeah, beautiful. And that's exactly the same answer that 100, and I've, I've had this conversation with like, you know, with many, many thousands of people, right? And, and it doesn't matter if they live in a hut with a, you know, with a dirt floor, yeah, with no running water, they give the same answer, right? One hundred percent the same answer. So the, the, let's 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 let's, so let's move it on to seven o'clock. So I'm kind of outside of your door, and I'm kind of knocking on the door, right? So just talk me through that. Uh, I'm probably telling my kids to pack stuff away, telling yeah. them to be quiet. Yeah. Uh, I'll have thought about what I'm going to wear, and then almost like kind of like building like a receiving party when we open the door. <laughs> And that's exactly the same as everyone else. You see, this is what I've asked people in China, in, you know, in Vanuatu, in Australia, in the US, in Moscow, St. Petersburg, you know, exactly the same, exactly the same answer, right? I mean, precisely the same answer. So then, you know, and then to cut a long story short, then we'll probably go into the house. And probably the first thing you're going to do is offer me, you know, offer me some sort of beverage, same as everyone else. You're going to sit me in a chair, probably a nice chair in the, in the lounge somewhere. Yeah. We're gonna, you're probably going to ask me about my day because that's what, that's what hosts do. You know, yes. how is your day stocked? You know, what are we up to? I'm probably going to bore you, bore you, you know, back teeth off you with that. And then basically, we're going to have some dinner. And then after that, we're going to, you know, have some chit chat. And then we're going to, you know, I'm going to pay my compliments. But it's the same. We're the same. And I think we have to cut through this kind of like, um, this kind of like this human BS where we think we have to act in a certain way. If we yeah. connect that feeling stage, and we're so similar. So it doesn't matter if you if you're you know a, a native of Vanuatu 
you know, which is like 2,000 kilometers in the middle of the Pacific. It's in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's no land anywhere near it, remotely near it. If you, those people in that remote island are still thinking the same as Tim, you know, where he, where he lives, right? And they're still thinking the same as someone in Moscow or in St. Petersburg or in, you know, in Sri Lanka or Singapore or Hong Kong. You know, it's the same answer. Or New York. I worked in New York. You know, exactly the same answer. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're more similar than we're, we're just, we're, we're more similar, more alike than we would probably um, give ourselves credit for. Yeah. That's a brilliant way of really playing that out. Stop. Thank you. Because even when you were talking about that, I was thinking like, I'd probably be apologising as well because, oh, sorry, the house is a mess. Or sorry, this is like that. And the reality is it wouldn't be a mess yet. We almost do apologise, don't we? Because you're right, we, we almost play this out in our own mind that, well, Stocks is going to have this judgment of us or he's going to expect this. And I mean, that's a brilliant way of playing it out because like you say, literally around the world, we are all the same, yet we, we, we create that perception internally that I've got to do something different. Or it's, it's almost like it's got to be perfect uh, instead of actually just being ourselves and being vulnerable. I, so this... You know, I, I was going to say, can I just can I give one, one other example? Because yeah, yeah. I, I work with some guys who do a lot of work with Harvard University, um, you know, shameless plug. And one of the, and I've, I work with a couple of um, top professors, and it's really fascinating. I've, I've known them for, for 30 years, right? So, um, man, man and boy. Um, and that, that's an interesting relationship because they, they, when they first knew me, I was a, um, you know, I was a training officer, very junior um, part of a big training function with a big organist, big corporate. When I first came into contact with them, so I was kind of like you know responsible for making sure they got the tea and coffee and their photocopying was done for them, and that the delegate list was like signed and that kind of stuff. That was pretty much my my involvement. I spent a lot of time with them, but what's what has happened? Obviously, that relationship has kind of changed quite a lot over the last thirty years um, with those guys. But what's really interesting is that when they, particularly, and I've, and I've worked with them in a lot of different cultures around the world, and What's really fascinating is it always happens, it always plays out the same way because at some point when I'm just, again, I'm just an audience member or I'm kind of like co-facilitating with them and they're, they're talking about this kind of stuff and it's really interesting. And at some point, doesn't matter if it's Russia or it's China or it's Australia or it's Fiji or it's the UK or it's, you know, the Middle East, it's Oman or it's, you know, Saudi Arabia. At some point, yeah, pretty early doors, someone's going to go, Excuse me, Professor Gary. Yeah, and he goes, "What? What? Go on." Is you don't really understand our culture. Yeah, you don't understand our culture, and it's like, and he sort of goes, and he and he, and he sort of he goes, "Yeah, I think I do. I think I do." Goes, no, no, you, you you just don't understand the culture because the culture in Australia or Vanuatu or India yeah. is very different to our culture. And he and he then he stops and he goes, "Do you know what? Have you got a spleen?" Every time he goes, you got a spleen. He, he does an American accent. He's from like um, he's from uh, Fiscal Mystic. Uh, but he goes, he goes, you got a spleen. And of course, they look really confused. They go, yeah, I've got a spleen. He goes, good, good. You got heart. You got heart. You got lungs. You got blood forcing around your body. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, I would argue then that we're actually ninety nine point nine 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 percent the same. Okay, our DNA is absolutely identical. So don't come to me saying I don't understand. We are we are still human. We're feeling first, you know. Yeah. So people just stop in their tracks and they go, yeah, we are, we are, we are. People they, they're desperate. You know, whole thing about culture is that it's a human construct, right? It's not, you know, we make it up as we go along. 
And it's that kind yes, of brings yes. we we see people in in a particular outfit or skin color or whatever it is, and we just we start judging them because of that. Just can't wear that rubbish. They're still they've still got a beating heart. They've still got a spleen. Um, they're similar. They have the same concerns, the same worries about me coming for dinner. You know, it's the same protocol. It doesn't matter where I am. It's always going to be the same. So let's cut away. Let's cut cut the BS and let's get, let's kind of crack on with it. Yeah, I love that. You're right. The person, everyone you're going to speak to today also has a heart and a spleen. Yeah. And you're right. We do build this again. These perceptions, don't we? And you know, especially uh, one of the things I see a lot is is this this example of an organisation. Oh, that's the CEO. Oh, that their stocks. He's he's the vice president of learning. Oh, stand up straight. Don't speak to them. Don't do this. Don't do that. And the reality is. They're just human beings who have many faults, who have the same worries or similar worries as us. So let me ask you, because this is a really interesting point from a point of view of leadership and teams. I think particularly what you talked about there, because one of the things I see in a lot of teams is trust is, is not built. And people say we don't feel like a team. And often at the heart of that is because they haven't got to know each other. They just see you coming in and doing your job. And this is what I expect from you. And I perceive you as, well, this is my belief about this job and this organization this team. So you should subscribe to the same. So if we kind of flip that and look at it from a point of view of authenticity existing in teams, why why do you think that's so important to leadership and team stocks? And how can that help them when they bring that authenticity into that environment? Yeah, well, I, I've got a really good friend called Rory, and he, um, he, I, I, I do, a, I have a, a, a little podcast that we run, and um, you know, I know you've kind of appeared on our on our podcast, but it was yeah. really it's fascinating because um, he he kind of like sailed around the world in the sort of the Volvo kind of round the world yacht race, um, and it was really fascinating because he was just a, he, you know he, he, he's obviously got some really good stories around that. He was a crew member um, on board one of these yachts. And he took a couple of years out of his life to go and do this kind of this race. And he said it was really fascinating because at the beginning of the race, they were flying, they were sort of like they were sailing to New York. So the first kind of leg was across the Atlantic to New York. And they kind of sailed out Portsmouth or whatever. And he said it was really fascinating because the, the captain was was really had no interest in um getting to know the crew. Yeah, absolutely no interest in getting to know the crew at all. The only her only interest it was she was a really famous um kind of like yachtswoman. All she wanted to do was win the race at all cost. Oh, yeah. okay. And she and she just was just focused on you know it's all about winning. And there was all there was a lot of kind of like the, the, the kind of team sort of bought into that. And he tells it much better than me. But he said the first leg, so they won the first leg, right? And it was great. And then but then at that point. The entire team were absolutely shot and had about another 16 legs to go, right? And then they won the first leg. But then after that, they crashed the boat. They couldn't, in the end, they had to, they had to actually um, airlift the captain off the ship because they were going to, you know, there, there was literally mutiny on board this ship, on this, on this yacht. Because no one wanted, they were just like, everyone just down tools, right? Despite the fact that they were really focused on winning the race. And actually what they discovered was that the most effective teams, a whole load of analysis done by this, he works for a very, very big university, um, and there's a load of analysis done on this. And what they discovered was that the most effective teams actually can disagree with each other. So the more yeah. that people yeah. are comfortable disagreeing and, they, and no one's going to, you know, they, it, 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 it's good to disagree because that's where trust comes from. So trust for me comes from where people can actually come in and, and they can call me a name and they can kind of like, you know, tell me what their view is. And um, some people have called me some very nasty things in my life. And 
but we're st we still have really amazing relationships afterwards. But actually, I want to hear that. I, I need to understand what they're thinking. So if, if I, I, I had a, I can't, there's a couple of people I can't really mention the names, but in my, in my career, um, I worked for a very, very famous television um, personality um, who, you know, incredibly famous. Um, and he was an absolute nightmare to work with. And I, I also worked with a really amazing Dutch guy. And they were always, um, they had kind of opposing views um, on how to run their businesses. Both of them were, you know, multi-millionaires, very successful in their businesses. Um, but the way they ran their businesses is very different. One of them would just, always you know kill the messenger he'd always kill the messenger so okay yeah. didn't want to be, so any bad news he would just like you know he would basically rip into you and so it was a nightmare so people and i observed that very firsthand um as a very senior leader in his team and people would come to me with their problems all the time but they would never want to share that problem with with him you know because they felt they were, he was going to fire them or he was going to basically completely lose his rag and you know sort of do something really violent towards them so they basically just they didn't want to give him the bad news at all. The other man, um, he was always really encouraging you to disagree with him and to share his opinion um, or share your opinion on that. And I think that was a much better, we worked in a much more effective team because when there were issues coming coming out, we all sort of knew what the problems were and we were able to deal with it. So that, again, that, that piece around being authentic Tim, so important because if you are, if you want to have trust in your team, you have to allow people to, to disagree with you and you just have to listen to them because actually sometimes, you know what, they have a point. They have a point, you know, and we need to be, and, and I've, we, I've, I've worked with a guy called Alan Leighton who was the, um, the chairman of, he was chairman of Luck Leeds United and, you know, a Walmart. Yeah. You know Alan, I don't know if you know Alan Leighton. Um, I worked with Alan a few years ago, a post, you know, chairman of the post office as well. Um, and it was really interesting because when I worked with him, he always said to me, you know, people will fall into three categories, Stop. So if there are the, you know, we, of course, we love them. They're the embracers, the acceptors or the rejectors, right? And what we tend to do is we, we of course, we love our embracers. You know, they're great people. What we, 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 we can't really get a grip on the acceptors. These are the people who have got credit card debts or mortgages or car loans or whatever it might be. So we, they, they sort of like just plod along. They're not particularly happy with what's happening, but they just don't see any other way out. They just, they've just got no choice, right? And then we have this other group who we really should be loving, but we tend to ostracize. These are the rejectors, you know, because, so here that kind of E-A-R, so embrace, um, you know, the embracers, the acceptors and the rejectors. And he said, too many times leaders ostracize the rejectors. And that's the worst thing you can do because when you've got someone disagreeing with you, just sacking them or kicking them out of the business or, you know, block closing them off, you know, isn't helping you because actually what they're saying, probably about 60, 70 percent of your team are thinking the same thing. The other 60 percent haven't got the courage to sort of like challenge you. So don't be trying to silence people. Try and encourage them to, you know, have a different opinion to yours. It's again, it's. It's, a, it's a, but it's challenging. But being trying to be authentic is important, Tim. Yes, that example you just used there stops where you know the the people who challenge. So, and I love what you said before about it's okay for people in the team to disagree. You're right. Positive conflict should be encouraged. This element, though, if, if you think about it from a leadership point of view, because we have to accept in organisations, leaders have one of, if not the biggest, impacts on other people. What do you think, or how much of that is down to fear 
that they don't encourage disagreement, that they don't encourage other people's ideas, that they end up controlling other people. How much of that comes down to the fear of them either being found out or not being good enough or just the fear of the difficult conversation in return? How much do you think of all that comes back to the fear that we have? Uh, yeah, I think I think I think fear is is very very real, right? You know, so and I we do a lot of stuff around. I was head I was head of change for a, for a while in a, in my in a previous life as well, um, and that was really really fascinating um, journey. But I, I worked with some amazing, like, you know, I, I worked with the uh, God. I, I, I keep reflecting on my my boring life, but I had a uh, the the head of it was the head of comms for Apple um, in the US, and I still have kind of fairly good conversations with them. Um, yeah. Uh, which is really interesting but she she always said you cannot underestimate um you know when you're going through any form or any any kind of change of course people are going to feel absolutely terrified so when you're trying to manage um any kind of change or you're trying to lead people you're really you, you're really managing or you're leading their emotions it's their emotions you've got to be most aware of so the great you know the great leaders can they can pick up the fear they can pick up the frustration they can pick up the 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 adulation whatever it might be and I think that's really 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 important now I was with the the um the chairman of the CIPD um a, a few weeks ago and he said to me there's a brilliant um it's called Ferguson I'm not a Man United fan by the way just in close <laughs> I, I, I in fact I really up until up until I met with the chairman of the CIPD um I had a great loathing of Alex Ferguson um uh, but, but however, having said that, so but he then said so he convinced me that I should watch um, the Ferguson um, video on Netflix. Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what, it's just bloody brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You know, but what's interesting about that is he then describes leadership as, as somewhere between, and I, I've watched it quite a few times trying to trying to un understand it, and I haven't really got my head around what he was trying to say, but I'm happy to share it here because he says it's you know. Because he was asking, you know, what makes a great leader? And he and Ferguson is saying, not me, Ferguson is saying something like, uh, you know, leadership for him is somewhere between kind of respect and fear. Yeah. yeah. So you, you yeah. have to have a little bit of it's 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 quite healthy to have a little bit of um a little bit of fear. Um, but they have to have a lot of respect. It's uh, my my daughter just uh, well, she's been teacher for three years now, and um my my she said to me, have you got any advice, Dad? And I said, the only advice, well, I, I, first of all, I, I absolutely don't like to give my kids advice at all. But I, she, she sort of pushed me and I said, well, my only, my strong advice to you, George, is go in really hard um, in the first couple of days. Because yeah. yeah. you're really lovely and you really are such a beautiful human. But if you get, if you think for one second that that's going to work for you, um, when you're trying to manage like 35-year-olds or 36, you know, 36-year-olds, right? Um, they are going to tear you apart, right? And if you go in trying to be nice to, to 30... I, mean, I used to run children's parties. I used to be a... Um, you know, I, I was a street performer. You know, I was a street performer in my um, in my late late teens and stuff, juggling chainsaws and stuff. Um, and I... You, you've got to kind of demand... You kind of demand the respect from people. You, have, you do have to do that, particularly at the beginning... You can, you can't go in nice and then try and become hard because they will, they will literally lynch you. Yeah. You have to be. There has to be a little bit of fear. So I would, I would, I said to Georgia, you know, go in quite hard at the beginning of the relationship. Set your standards. Set your, you know, be be quite tough on people at the beginning. Then you can go. It's easier to go 
um, more authentic after that. You know, set the standard, set your stall out at the beginning. Be quite, yeah. be quite tough with people, because then they, you've, you've earned that respect. Um, you've earned that little, and maybe a little bit of fear that Alex Ferguson's talking about. They're a bit, a bit scared of who you are, um, and then you can then sort of like back away from that when you, when they kind of, they, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to say I, I do this. I, 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 that sounds very, um, you know, unhumble. I'm very arrogant, but but I think it's I I do you know what one thing that really winds me up is people who don't want to talk to him. It really yes. drives me to utter distraction. It really does, you know. And this this is I I really have to kind of like sometimes I really have to put uh, I I'm mindful of who I'm talking to sometimes because I work in I have some very I work with some quite senior people, and I have to say sometimes I get really um, I have to kind of really bite my tongue. Um, yeah. I will say it, but I will, I will, I will challenge them on the behaviour. I won't. I would never challenge them publicly on it. I'll challenge them privately because um, some of the behaviour I see, they just, they just don't walk the talk. They tell us that we need to be doing these things. I actually challenged Alan Layton. Actually, he's, he's my famous, the most famous person I challenged was Alan Layton on that behaviour because he was, I was an absolute. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not, I mean, you know, in, in, the, in, in the nicest possible way. But I was actually in love with Alan Layton because I really loved what he was saying and spent a lot of time with Alan. But then occasionally um, he didn't walk the talk. Yeah. And so I actually remember very kind of like um, much to my peril, actually calling him out on it. Um, and it was, and that was a, that was an incredibly brave thing to do from my point of view. I mean, I regretted it, but I didn't actually, ultimately he was amazing. He was a bigger man and he, he actually um, came and apologised to me in front of many hundreds of people for his behaviour. Wow. I was actually quite surprised by that. And I, I was actually, I thought he was going to fire me in front of hundreds of people. He actually, uh, actually apologised in front of hundreds of people. It was actually quite nice. But yeah, so you've got to be, I, I don't know, there's no, there's no, there's no secret um, recipe here. But I would say definitely go in quite tough, um, walk the talk, be, you know, earn, earn the respect of your team members. The other thing I would say about um, respect to him is that I was in the Merchant Navy and, you know, okay. oh, God, it's here. But I mean, it a very, very colourful life, haven't I? Um, but I was in the Merchant <laughs> Navy. And, um, and one of the things that used to wind me up on, my, on, the, on the ships was people saying to me, you know, I was a you know, three and three quarter striped executive officer. Um, on, I was very, very pretty. Um, and what was interesting about it was that my, my peers... Would always say that you know you have they have to earn my stripe stocks. You know the crew has to earn has to earn my respect. They have to earn their stripes, and they have to they. And I think God, no way, no one has to. I give you my respect, one hundred percent. I don't care who you are, Tim. You're getting yeah. my respect, one hundred percent. Can you lose my respect? Absolutely. No, you know you can definitely lose my respect, but but I, I'm not making you earn it, Tim. No one in my world has to earn my respect. It's disgusting. Yeah. Stops. I, I, there's so many things that I want to ask you about everything you've just shared there. <laughs> now, there is there's something I want to come back to on a little bit about this, because I think so many things you've shared, I think, really heightens that something that's so important in terms of authenticity. I think the first thing is you've really reminded us of is that integrity, because people know when we're not walking the talk and we see there's there's thousands if not millions of examples in public leadership where people call it out and challenge it uh, i love that you use sir alex ferguson and your daughter as the two examples I i'm down with that um <laughs> and I, I think you know what's fascinating is when you're talking there and listening to you i i think he's heightening this value of something that doesn't happen enough 
in in teams and organizations so what we're finding out from you about this interview is it's not all about the job you're doing today and what that means to people and how you do it or how well you do it we're also finding out that you've got this really varied background you've got a lot of experience and what happens often in teams is we just see well stocks comes in and he's here to do this job so i'm only going to talk to him about that job and i expect him to fit into this kind of behavior or this kind of culture and you know actually what we're finding out is we could learn more about you from your background in the Merchant Navy, from you as a street performer. And yet this is the bit, we almost like deny ourselves awareness of others and awareness of ourselves. And we just simply focus on this is what's expected in your role. And that's what I want to ask you about in terms of the authenticity piece. So is awareness. So for me, and I've seen this firsthand, I do a lot of work around this. We, in order to be truly authentic, to be true to ourselves, we have to have a heightened level of self-awareness. And this is something that needs to happen consciously. And so many people ignore it. They don't put value on it because they'd rather have the knowledge. They'd rather tell you what to do. Lack of self-awareness avoids the conversations you're talking about where, oh, I don't want to speak up. I don't want to call it out because I might get sacked. I might, this might happen. So what what would you share with the audience, Stocks? Is it, we'll call it a tip you know, you can call it a technique or something that you do that raises your self-awareness. I, I would say definitely ask, ask a lot of questions. Um, that's yeah. my, my, probably my, 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 my top, top, top tip is, you know, it's back to that caveism earlier, but, you know, seeking to understand before you like, seek to be understood. I think that's, that's a really, really, really important, uh, really important point. And just having a really good grip on your um, kind of, I think I've got quite. I still struggle with it a bit, but I'm, I've got a relatively good grip on what I call my uh, my stimulus response mechanism. So I kind of I recognise okay, when yeah. there's a. I, I, I often talk to people about you know trying to put you know have a have a really good strategy. I will walk away. Um, I will definitely call time out, um, and I will kind of force it. I do a lot about. Um, I do a lot of work on sort of conflict resolution and dealing with people who are really being aggressive towards us and. Um, and I, you really being assertive at the right time and actually being able to walk away and call a timeout um, when you're feeling um, incredible stress or when you're feeling very anxious is, is I think is really important because I think sometimes that, you know, being a, getting hold of, well, first of all, asking questions, but, but secondly, really being aware of how your emotions are going and actually walking out of meetings or walking away from situations um, can be very important. I'm not saying ignore them. But definitely yes. time to actually reflect and think about the next step is very important. I think too many people rush in, they get stimulated by something, something is someone does something to upset them or whatever that stimulus might be. And then they, they kind of rush in with a solution. My my strong recommendation would be try to put some time between well, first of all, recognize when you are being stimulated um, by somebody, and actually then try to buy yourself some time to actually respond to that stimulus is uh, is really important. And that help really helps you to think about what you're doing. Thank you. I think that's a great reminder that self-awareness is the internal piece. So like you say, the the response mechanism, the stimulus, taking that time to think about it, and also that external self-awareness and thinking about how more, how many more questions we could ask. It, it's almost like a dying art, I, I, I feel, is that ability to ask more questions. It's almost like we get, get it beaten out of us. Thank you for everything so far, Stop. So there's, there is a, a question I want to ask you about and what made me think of it now it's something i want to talk to every guest um, on the podcast but you really made me think of it before when you were talking about getting to know people 
And I want to talk to you about the, the word I use a lot is dickhead. Um, now, I, and the reason I use that is because I want to call things out on that. And it's a word that people understand. Now, it's really, really important that we understand when I use the term dickhead, I'm not judging people. What I'm referring to is those irritating people who lack self-awareness and therefore are behaving in a way that doesn't align with what they stand for. And what made me think of this before was when you talk about people who get to know you, I, I thought about two leaders that I've worked with when they were giving me feedback, one who gave me feedback and I would sit there and feel like, how dare you say that about me? You don't know what my motivation is. You don't know why I'm doing that. You've not taken any time to get to know me or build any kind of relationship. And actually, I think you're basing this feedback on what other people have said to you. So they, for me, would fall into the dickhead camp versus another leader that I worked with who spent a lot of time getting to know me, asked me a lot of questions about my values, really built trust. And then they could sit there and give me feedback. Now, this is quite a famous story I've told to a number of conferences about when the leader said, Tim, you're boring. <laughs> and actually said those words to me. Yeah, I could accept that. I could build on it. I could ask some questions, but because they built that trust, they really spent that time getting to know me versus the other person who, like I say, for me, would fall into that dickhead camp where they've not got any self-awareness, they don't spend any time getting to know you. So something I want to ask every guest is how can our audience stop themselves from being one of those dickheads? I think, well, I think first of all, it's about being really open to the feedback. So I think that's yeah. that my, I, I've, I, again, I've asked many, many, many thousands of people this question, would they like um, more feedback? And most, I, I would say one of the, uh, one of the most important kind of stoicisms, I suppose, really, is my ability to take feedback. And let me just kind of like, um, you know, give some clarity around that. I, does feedback upset me? Absolutely, it does upset me. And and I'm and, and I've got I've got a history of people being very kind of brutal with me um, with their feedback. And sometimes they're brutal with their feedback in front of my wife. And I'm almost having to sort of pull my wife off them because they want to kind of you know kill them um, for what they're saying about me. And and I'm always and, and I, often after you know it'll be after we'll be at like a social gathering or whatever. And my wife will have been sort of witness to this individual giving me feedback or, or individuals giving me feedback about usually about my my hair or my weight or my dress sense or my shoes or you yeah. know something I've said at work and all that. It's always it's something like that. And my wife always says to me, How the hell can you just sit there and kind of take that kind of feedback? And you just take it and you smile and you kind of, you know, and you're just and you're just completely um, you know, not not phased by it. And I say, well, first of all, it's just like really good control of my stimulus response mechanism where we were before yeah but also i think just i just see real value in that because i'd much rather people say you're a dickhead stance and or you know you're a you know a see you next tuesday other people could you know call me a see you next tuesday um because for me when they're saying that to me they they're not really in full command of what's actually going on around them so it's trying to you know so being but at least then i've got a visit i've got a kind of view of kind of what they're thinking and what they're saying and actually am i going to take action again when someone can't i had people call me you know actually next tuesday and it always amazes me and they just i go well that's really good thank you for the feedback you know it's really really valuable thank you for that let me try and understand um you know where you're where you're coming from with that you know what is it that i've done that makes you think that i'm that person and then they try to explain what they think i've done and i'm really 
calm. I mean, inside I'm boiling, you know, boiling. But externally, I'm kind of quite calm with how I'm trying to deal with it. And I think it's the greatest. I honestly think that it's one of the things that makes me probably, I don't think I am successful, Tim, but I think it's one of the things that makes me successful is the fact that it makes it helps with a little bit of my success is the fact that I can take that feedback on the chin. Um, of course, it upsets me. Of course, I get um, distraught by it. Um, but at the end of it, I, I, I try not to reflect too much on it. I'm a, I'm a I'm what we call an accommodator, but I tend to take things on. Um, I, I tend to recover very quickly. So I, I, you know, I sort of describe myself as a bit of a bouncy ball. So I, sort of, I, I can crash to the ground. Um, but I, what I know about myself is that I come back really fast. You know, so I, so when people give me feedback, it's, I, I think I benefit most from it. And I also, because I don't, emo I don't respond emotionally um, to the feedback, um, people then tend to be even more comfortable disagreeing with me. They're more comfortable mm. of the <laughs> viewpoint, which ultimately makes me a better leader. Because yeah? I, because they, they just, they, they, they think, well, actually, I can call Andrew or see you next Tuesday. And he'll take it on board. He'll listen to my perspective about why I think he's that person. And then basically we can kind of, we can have that conversation and kind of clear the air. Because otherwise they, the reality is they're still thinking it, right, Tim? I'd rather them tell me, they tell me to my face yes. rather than just thinking I'm that. Yeah. Because actually there's more damage because who else are they telling that they think I'm that? You know, they're going to go around the building. Yeah. I'd rather them just kind of come, come into my office and say, you know, give me a, give it to me both barrels. And then I can go, that's really helpful. Thank you for that. And, they and back to that. I mean, back to my friend Rory, with a kind of Volvo around the you know around the, the world yacht race, you know. And he was saying that if you can, of course, we're going to get frustrated. We're going to we're going to be in danger. We're going to disagree with things, but at least we need to get it out. Otherwise, that you know, that it becomes poisonous. That kind of resentment, that that hatred, becomes really poisonous. So get the poison out. Is it with, again back to an about much earlier comment? We are we're feeling first. Yes, we're feeling yes. and then we're thinking so let's get the feeling out let's get the emotion out let's understand kind of why we're feeling that because often that that view about why they think i'm a you know i won't use that word again but why they think i am that person mm. it's just based on their view and actually they took a few minutes to kind of understand a little bit more about what's happening and they understood because you know you know as well as i do in, in you know leadership roles it's a nightmare because I'm always juggling. I want to be transparent and communicate and give everyone as much information as possible about what's going on. But there are some things I just am prohibited from saying. I'm not allowed to do that. I, I just can't do it, you know. Yeah. So it's, so there's there's a very fine line being, I want to be honest and transparent and people might think I'm being, a, you know, whatever I am. But sometimes they just, they're not in, they haven't got the full picture. I, I many cases, I have a much bigger picture than they do. You know, but I, but I can't share that information with them for obvious reasons. And so I can understand their frustration with me. But if they understood my position, if they, if they were sat in my chair for a couple of seconds, they'd go immediately, ah, oh, I understand why I'm just being that person now. Yeah. But people don't take the time to understand that. Right. So yeah. most people, I don't think most people don't act, um, you know, viciously or maliciously. Um, but that, that maybe there is a perception that that's happening. So yeah, so but being open to it and not being emotional um, when you're getting feedback, I think is really powerful. Yeah, that's a fantastic bit of advice to share. So, so I think you, you're building that real clear distinction between again, the dickheads and the non-dickheads because the, the non, the, the human beings, let's call them, like you say, ask for feedback, they take it on board. 
the dickheads get defensive with feedback, they avoid it. And I think you've, you've really helped us to understand that piece there about actually what somebody else says to us only reflects on them because it comes out of their mouth. It's driven by their frustrations. You're right, that ability to, whatever somebody says to us, to listen to it, to thank them for it, to co- have a conversation about it, understand it from their point of view, and then agree what needs to change, if anything. Brilliant stuff, Stots. Thank you. Now, we're getting down to the final questions now. There's a couple of quick fire ones in the middle, kind of sandwiched by these others. So before we get into those quick fire ones, um, why must it always start with you? Well, we just, we own our behaviour, don't we? So there's, you know, there's, I would say there's, I have four, my dad, my dad, went bless him, my dad had um, kind of four golden rules, which he always applied. And like, obviously I picked those up from a very early age, but, you know, those, those kind of, those four rules were, you know, respect people, really acknowledge people, you know, remember people and hear people. So he was always kind of going on those, these kind of four simple rules that we kind of applied. And we have to, it's, you know, I, I just think, I look at my, because often, again, everyone thinks their kids are really cool. I, I, a lot of feedback I get about my my two children. I have you know two kind of middle aged, oh, not middle aged, I had twenty five and twenty six, my kids. But I get a lot of feedback around that. I say, oh my god, how did you manage to get such sort of well well balanced, well rounded children? And I just say, well, because I think they, when I've asked them, I've asked them that question, they just obviously laugh. Um, about that but they're, they're both employed they're both you know they're both kind of like gamefully employed they're never really they just kind of get on with the world and I said well first of all a I, I'm very reluctant to give them advice and and b um, I tend to model the behavior so you know if I'm showing them giving them an example my and my wife is brilliant at it as well so we've both been very good at um, just getting on with stuff because I have much this is really my we used to, we used to the piss out and a lot about this because he always said you know you know, life is is always you know life is kind of is lived in the valleys he used to say it's lived in the valleys and i think it is lived in the valleys so there's, there's going to be peaks there's going to be highs in your life where you've done great yeah. things yeah. the vast majority of the time we're, we're living in the valley right and we just need to kind of like get on with it and some people just don't like the idea that they live in the valley and they just need to kind of accept that they are living in the valley and you know just enjoy the valley it's, it's just be just enjoy your life and don't be kind of like judging or measuring yourself against what what you see i live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world and the welfare is obscene it, it, it's 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 really obscene because the cars and the car park yeah i don't know we have more time but tiny little story my, when i went to um i took my daughter to university in a few years ago now i took her to university in dubai and so American University of Dubai. So we went met with Dean and she was going to spend four years at this university. We didn't live in Dubai. We lived in um, Kuwait at the time. And um, so my daughter was hell-bent on living in Dubai and that was fine. So we did that. And very, very um, nice employer who was going to pay $200,000 a year fees, a lot of money, um, for her to go there. So I should have kind of worked this out at the beginning, but I didn't. So I met with Dean and they were obviously sort of welcoming her. We hired a Toyota Corolla, right? And we went to, um, so anyway, so I said, where, where can I park my car? And he said, oh, you can park it in the student car park. So when yeah. he said to me the student car park, in my mind, I had like this kind of like pothole kind of gravel pit somewhere behind the university, which kind of what I was used to right, when I went to college. So I kind of thought that was going to be, so I was, like, I was a bit disappointed really, because I thought, well, it's $200,000 a year, and you're basically making me park in the student car park. So I went to the, anyway, so I said, fine, whatever, it's not, it's a higher car, what the hell? Went to the student, went anyways, drove to this um where the student car park was. 
this was like the you would not believe the student car park it was literally um well i didn't we didn't realize what it was but it was four meter high um fence with like razor wire curled on top of it right with like security guard um stood at the gate so i was like really suspicious about this i was thinking oh that's weird so i there's a, a chap came out security guard said this is the student car park and he's looking at me with utter disdain and i said <laughs> um, he said yeah it's the student car park he says you can't park here and i said no no the dean's the dean of the university's asked he said i can park here no 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 i said oh, what can you when you call him Call up, call for Dean or call whoever you need to call. And so anyway, she goes on his radio and of course he you know, comes like, yes, he can park. This is Andrew Stotts. He can park in the student car park. So the, the, this, this guy was like looking at me like I was royalty, but was driving a Toyota Corolla. Just thinking, how does that happen? So I kind of like, so anyway, get the barrier goes up. This car park was full of Rolls Royces, Bugattis, you know, it was Porsches. I mean, it was it was literally, for, it was wall to wall. Um, you can understand. So the students here, have a lot of money and sometimes okay. you compare yourself to those people it's just not not feasible you have to be just just compare yourself to yourself is what i'm trying to say a very long way of saying it just you only compete with yourself tim not anyone else just you thank you Sam. i think this story at the end i think you're right really highlights everything you've said there about we own our own behaviour. I love your dad's golden rules. I, I think we should all set some golden rules for ourselves, especially around the behaviour. Uh, I love that you reminded us it's about role modelling the behaviour that we want in others. I think that's so important and we lose sight of that. I love what you said about just accepting our lives. So accept you live in a valley. We just accept our lives and enjoy it. Uh, don't judge ourselves on what we see. And only compare yourself to yourself. Fantastic stuff, Stops. I think really brings it back to that piece that it always starts with you. So there's a couple of things I want to ask you now, which are to share um, your thoughts on a couple of things that our audience could, could go and do. So the first one, and, and, I, and I'm always honest in this podcast with everybody, these two questions are around two huge passions of mine, and I've decided to include it because I know it can help people. So the first one is, what is a book that everyone must read Okay, seven heavens. For me, there's, there's, can I have two? Um, but definitely, on, um, there's, a, there's a tough one. So I would definitely say seven habits of highly effective people. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. like, you know, gosh, there's too many books. Um, but definitely, the, the one, I think the one, if, if you're really pushing me onto a spot, seven habits, obviously, but I would say my my, my, my number one book of all time would be um, Ken Blanchard's and the, um, the One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey. And I'm not sure if you've ever read that book, but it's a great, great book. Um, and there's also a there's a fantastic book which is um, influenced by a guy called Robert Caldini. Oh yes, those 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 three books. I mean, a because I think Caldini's work is amazing. Um, I absolutely love him. I met Blanchard. Um, I've got a signed copy of his book, and he's Ken is an amazing man. And um, that book probably definitely really changed the way that I I sort of I I, I definitely manage people more. You know, definitely really. Um, gave me a really good steer on kind of leadership. So the one manager meets the monkey. And then I think the other one that's really interesting to cover, I always, I always go with Covey's seven habits because I, the one thing I think is really fascinating by Covey is the first habit is, you know, start with the end in mind, right? Yes. I, I do induction every day and I've been, every Monday we do induction here and we like have 32 people today and we often have about, you know, somewhere between 30 and 100 come for induction um, every, every week. Um, and I've been doing that for, you know, best part of 35, 40 years. I've done it with massive organizations and I always go along 
and I just do a kind of guest appearance and you know it's it's very lovely I do a guest appearance for five or six minutes and just kind of say welcome we love you guys thank you for choosing us that kind of stuff you know it's the, just to be the be the host um like it's my dinner party they come for dinner so I do, do the host and I always say to people you know there's no escaping um working hard in Etienne you can't escape it and it doesn't matter where you go if you want to be successful you're gonna have to work hard but there is a huge but, and I, I, that word is traditionally banned in this organisation. Yeah. But or however. I said, but there is a caveat to that. I said, please do not um, go to your grave working hard because actually whoever your loved one is, the last thing in the world I want is my daughter or my son reading my eulogy at my funeral, it's a bit dark, Tim, and saying, oh, you know, daddy worked really hard. And what a crock of shit is that? Yeah. <laughs> If, if my dad, if my son, I mean, my dad worked hard as well, but I, and I read his eulogy, but there's no way that I'd have stood there and gone, he did work really hard, it was amazing. But I'm not going to say he worked hard. That's not going to get you anywhere. Think about what you're trying to bring to the, to the party. Think about what, you know, what's your legacy? What are you trying to do? How are you trying to influence people? How are you trying to support people? That's the kind of stuff you should be thinking about. It's a bit dark, but try to think about what, what, what would you want people to say about you when you're no longer there in the organisation, you know, we're all going to go at some point, aren't we? What do you want people to say? Oh, I work really hard. That's going to really disappoint me. If I'm watching from, like, you know, from, up, from probably from hell in my case, if I'm watching from below and he says, oh, he worked really hard, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be haunting him. Um, so it's not about working hard, but, it's, but it is important. It's about how you make people feel. Yeah. Yeah, I, a huge, huge fan of Stephen Covey, I would say. <laughs> that book changed my life, and you're right. It's important to start with that end in mind. And yeah, ask me what do you want people to say about you. And I love your point about working hard. You're right. We need to work hard. It's working hard on the right things. And I think what you said there, Stocks, is about working hard on what you want to bring to the party. Yeah. Now, the second question uh, is a little bit of self-indulgence because of my obsession with music. Uh, what is an album or song that everyone must listen to and what does it mean to you? <laughs> Oh gosh, um, album or song? Um, I'm. A... <laughs> oh dear, no, I can't say that. I'm mindful to say sort of Chesney Hawks. Um, I am the one and only. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that. I think probably um, life on life on Mars and uh, David Bowie or Bowie, however you pronounce his surname. Um, I think that's probably the most. Life on Mars for me is probably the most. Um, that's a really amazing, um, amazing song. Yeah, so I would go like, yeah, Life on Mars. But I, I think Chesney Hawks, um, I Am the One and Only, is also quite cool. But I'm going to go with, um, I've got quite quite eclectic um, music taste. I've just been listening to um, kind of rediscovering Oasis, actually, over the last couple of days. So oh, think, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Wonderwall, I think it's a really great track as well. Um, and I, oh, of course, there's a, I just want to work out, just hang on a second, let me just... Um, the other song is um, the Turtles. Um, oh gosh, what's the name of the song? Um, it's, it's a, there's a track by the Turtles anyway, um, which is also an amazing song. I'm gonna hang on. I'm gonna have to um, give you. I, I, my, I can't believe it's gone out of my mind. I love that song. Um, hang on a second. I'm gonna go to um, artists. I'm gonna go to Turtles and my 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 playlist. Um, you know the Turtles, right? Well, what are you saying? I don't think I know the mock turtles. Happy together, happy together, happy together, the turtles. Okay. Yeah. Happy together, happy together, the turtles. There's, 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 there's a couple of tracks. Happy together, the turtles. 
definitely amazing. Listen to that. You'll love it. Great song. Um, definitely um, Wonderwall. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, Life on Mars, um, David Bowie. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, really, really good. I'm a huge Smiths fan. Um, oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, um, Morrissey fan. My friend lives in his house, actually, well, bizarrely. Anyway. No way. Um, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, Thank boring. you. Well, Bowie, the Smiths. The Turtles and Oasis, nobody's ever going to complain at that playlist. So the final question to Ashley Stotts, and this is this kind of tangible thing to do for the audience. You know, Thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. But the final question to Ashley is, what's the one thing that our audience can do today to be their true authentic selves? Listen to others, hear others. Also, definitely, that you know, that's an underrated skill. Listening is an underrated skill. The more that we practice listening, the more that we practice kind of being present in others' company, um, the more that we, you know, we allow them to be honest with us um, and, and be honest with each other. And when we're when we're getting that feedback, like it or don't like it, just um, you know, just being really open to it because just just be be the peacock. Don't try and don't spend too much time trying to conform to people. It's quite a, it's and, and of course, you know, people say, well, doesn't it scare you, Stotts? Doesn't scare me. Absolutely terrifies me, Tim. But but I don't care. I'm going to just do it anyway. What I found so far hasn't killed me yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm still I've been authentic for forty plus years, and I'm still I'm talking to you. It hasn't killed me yet, and it hasn't really massively scuffed my career maybe i don't know maybe i could have been prime minister i don't know but um maybe i maybe i failed but it hasn't killed me um and being being who i am um just just be be who you who you want who you are don't try and you know people put like i will say a long time ago we don't wear name badges in that yet but um i say you know we i think sometimes a name badge is like a personal storage device you know, I used to meet people outside of work and then they're such amazing people, right? And then they come to work and they become these miserable effers and what's the point? You know, don't, just, you know, what is that? Is that, like a, is that a personal storage device? Is it like a, is it a personality storage device where you sort of put your name badge on and you become this, this boring bugger? Um, don't be that person when you put your name badge on. Be you, because actually your customers, our guests, would much rather you um, be you and we feel first. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. I love how you make that about listening to others. I think you're absolutely right. But that's not something I agree with what you said. It's a bit of a dying art. You know, people are not doing it enough. And I think you said about practicing that, definitely something people can take away from this is just practice really hearing, really listening to others. Right, thank you so much, Stotts. It's been absolutely brilliant. There's so much for people to take away from that. I genuinely, genuinely have loved our chat. I think we should do this every every Monday morning. 100%. <laughs> Let's get some time in the diary. <laughs> we should, every Monday morning. Oh, brilliant, Stotts. It's always great to spend time in your company, mate, and I really appreciate your time. And, uh, and I encourage people to connect with you on LinkedIn. You have the best LinkedIn profile picture ever. So everybody out there, connect with... Uh, Andrew on LinkedIn, follow him. He shares some great insights on there as well. So, Stotts, thank you so much. Go and enjoy the rest of your day. Keep smiling, keep being you.
there you have it. Andrew Stotterbrooks in all his wonderful Technicolor glory. I was going to try and think of some superlatives, really, to start this outro with and kind of sum it up. And I just thought, what's the point? You've just listened to him. You know how fucking cool he is from listening to that. You know how passionate he is. You know how honest he is. So now really is the time to think about what are you going to do about it? So some of the things I would encourage you to think about as a result of listening to Andrew's interview, one of the key things, the key message that shone through for me in there is we must own our own behaviour. It's very, very easy to not take responsibility for that, to blame others, to blame circumstances. So whatever you're doing today or tomorrow, whenever the next time you're going to work with people after this podcast, really think about how you're going to own your own behaviour. A few messages that really stood through for me in there is that you must only want to be you, don't want to be, never ever want to be anyone else other than you. And think about your uniqueness and really use that to remind you of what your value is in terms of how you're unique. And, you know, remember, you don't need to wear a mask. Um, I love Andrew's point about respect. So respect for me is a word that... <laughs> It gets overused and underused, overused in that everybody talks about it, underused that we don't really talk about what it really means to people. Uh, and often it's all about, I, I, you earn my respect by doing this. And, and actually what we should be doing is, like Andrew's demonstrating, asking the person, what do I need to do to earn your respect? So there's a key message in there that Andrew shared about respect is mutual. You can't just have it. You also need to show respect to others. And I love how a little bit of that came from his story about his dad and the golden rules. And, you know, one of the things I encourage you to think about doing as a result of listening to this podcast is set your own golden rules for your life and stick to them. Now, as promised, I'm going to ask you some coaching questions based on what Andrew shared with us. Now, I'm just going to ask you four for the purpose of this outro, just to get you thinking. And the summary sheet that you can download straight away now from itsalwaysstartswithyou.com has more coaching questions based on Andrew's interview and summarises some of those key points for you and also ask you some questions to think about your leadership and your team as well. So the questions I want to ask you based on Andrew's interview, the first one is to think about how can your uniqueness give you an edge? So today spend a bit of time thinking about what makes you unique and how can that give you an edge in your role in your life as you as a leader? The second question, how can being more authentic help you to overcome your weaknesses? And I love that Andrew raised this because it's not talked about enough. Often if we talk about a weakness, we kind of get prescribed a training course or some hints and tips or these techniques to try out or another model or another theory. And actually, the thing that can help us the most overcome our weaknesses is ourselves. Just going back to this is me at my authentic best. And think about how you can put your authentic best into use to help you to overcome your weaknesses. The third coaching question I'll ask you is based on what I said before about owning your own behaviour. So we can often rely on other people challenging our behaviours. That's important. Of course it is. I'm going to ask you something about that before we finish. The question I want to ask you based on what Andrew talks about is what do you need to do to challenge your own behaviours? So is there a daily practice that you need to do to capture those behaviours? Is there something you need to do in the moment? Really think about and challenge yourself to do this in the next week. Think about it and then do something in the next week so you can answer that question, what do you need to do to challenge your own behaviours? 
the final coaching question, and I'm just going to leave this out there. Uh, and I kind of think, how can I not ask this really from what Andrew talks about? What are your golden rules and why? It's a beautiful question to spend some personal reflection time with. What are your golden rules and why? Right, the final thing for me to encourage you to do as a result of uh, Andrew's interview, he's thinking about uh, when we talked about dickheads, uh, unsurprisingly, I'm going to pick up on this, and he talks about being open to feedback, and he said about even if someone thinks you're being a dickhead, listen to their feedback and consider it from their perspective. So something I want to challenge you to do is to go and ask for some feedback. So in the next month, identify three people that are key to your role. Clearly, that might be members of your team, peers, maybe your line manager, and go and ask them for some feedback on your behaviours and your attitudes and asking them for their help in challenging them, making sure they align with who you truly are, making sure your attitudes and behaviours are aligned to your true authentic self. So I really challenge you in the next one, go and get some feedback to help you to better understand your own attitudes and behaviours and the impact they have on those around you. So I want to say a big final thank you to Andrew Stotter-Brooks. As I mentioned in the interview, connect him on LinkedIn, follow him on there. He shares lots of really great stuff. Big uh, encourager of others as well. So the more that you can see that, just in, it'll help to inspire every day being connected with Andrew. Don't forget to go to enthusecoaching.com and subscribe. That way you'll get notified every time an episode comes out. And also you'll get an email where you can just click and download the summary sheets for every single episode. So you don't need to worry about going to different websites that just land in your inbox. Right. I hope you've enjoyed the first show. Give it a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you've listened to it. Tell people about it. And I'll be back here again next week with your next episode. Please remember, it always starts with you. Keep smiling. Keep being you. Thanks for listening.